we're getting open threes. And that means that the offense is working. And so while the Nets do have a lot of needs, this kind of, to me, looks like something that we can project out to kind of regress to the mean, which for all of these players on the Nets, their mean is hitting 41, 42% of the threes, particularly of the players that have not been hitting them, right? So at the end of the day, there is no reason why any of these games couldn't have gone in the other direction. And if we have a team that is playing up to the potential, not only of the players we have on the roster, but of the offense that Jacques Vaughn is running and has created, we're going to see improvements because hitting wide open three-point shots is something that we should be doing better than we have been and will do better than we have been. And we have seen that already with this team over stretches. We're just in a stretch where those shots don't happen to be falling, which at the end of the day, isn't a player issue. It's not a coaching issue. It's not anything. We saw these kinds of stretches from Kyrie Irving, from Kevin Durant. It just kind of happens. So at this point, I think we just have to tough through it. And that's not very fun. Nobody wants to hear that, but I think that's just where we're at. And and I forgot to mention the the Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving stuff. Um, Wait, wait, wait. We're not allowed to talk about those guys anymore. That's all these guys talk about. That's such a strange, that's such a strange arc of, of, of things. But what are they doing Twitter. right now that like makes it so, t- that's the other thing. It'd be one thing if the Mavs were on fire and the Suns were on fire and KD could still get healthy. The Suns could still win the championship. I'm not saying that can't happen. That can absolutely happen. But KD has played like three games for the Suns and still isn't back on the floor. The Suns have lost, uh, you know, they're five and five in their last 10 games. And they're, you know, falling in the standings a, a bit. Meanwhile, the Mavericks are four and six in their last 10 games, have not played good basketball since Kyrie has been there. They're in the play-in tournament. So it would be one thing if those guys were thriving and the Nets were sucking. But it, it really, at this point, is about the Nets kind of being like, all right, well, hopefully they play well and their future could be better. And at the same time, we haven't seen much from these other guys. So that's the part of it I don't understand when fans get so upset. But Kyrie's hurt again now, too. You know, so the, both of those guys aren't exactly thriving in their new situations. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm all things considered, I've said this before. I'm cool with the way this worked out. I'm cool with the way that this ended. Uh, there was a news article about former Nets breaking their silence, like Bruce Brown and Jeff Green, uh, Denver Nug Nets that came here. I think a lot of people knew where this was heading. And the Nets actually, like, escaped this thing, all things considered, with some talented players and some picks. And back to this Nets team of talented players, this is a team that we considered a team with three ND players, right? Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal, Mikhail Bridges. Uh, The the defense is there, but the rebounding's not there. And the threes damn sure weren't there last night. They were 9-33. to They shot 27%. You're not going to win that way. Good first quarter. But then they got out of the way. Donovan Mitchell had his way. And uh, th- the Cavs are a good team, right? They are the fourth place team in the East. They've had this whole season to gel and to play together and develop their chemistry. They're going to be a tough team in the playoffs. I honestly think they're going to match up with the Knicks. I'm looking forward to seeing that series, um, especially with the yeah, whole Donovan Mitchell. Look at the last three teams we've thing. played, right? Look at the last three teams we've played. Cavs are a good team. Nuggets are near the top of the West. Kings are phenomenal out of the blue. Like it's it's not it's not and, like and not for nothing, not to cut you cut you off, Hudson. Like even last night's game, they lost they lost by a couple points. They they lost by six points. They lost by six points to the Nuggets. They lost by five points to the Kings. So these are playoff teams, like the number one seed in the West, number two seed in the West, um, the number four seed in the East. 
this makeshift team, the Kings are three now in, in the West, but like this makeshift team led by Spencer Dinwiddie at point guard. Like I didn't have that on my bingo card that Spencer Dinwiddie would come back and be the point guard. And Spencer frustrates the hell out of me. But like all things considered, like Spencer is doing the best that he can in this role that he's been given here with the Brooklyn Nets trying to facilitate. Uh, I know every episode we talk about him crying about the refs. I wish he would t- tone that down a little bit. But all in all, this is makeshift. They are making lemonade out of lemons. Ben Simmons, who you guys are talking about in the chat, I keep saying forget Ben Simmons. Because since last year, when the Nets were swept, even before that, there's just been this thought of Ben Simmons helping this team. And you didn't see him last year. You got to see him a little bit this year. And what did you see that makes you believe he's going to come back and change anything? They are gelling and developing without this guy. He's not going to he come back to run He left guard. his agent. But he left his agent, Keith. Yeah, he sold his house in L.A. He put his house up for sale. He left his agent. He left Clutch Sports and uh, Rich Paul, who finessed and were able to get Sean Marks on the phone with Daryl Morey. And Sean Marks was the only one willing to actually take on Ben Simmons, whatever. I don't expect him to come back and help this team, even if we see him in practice with shorts and sneakers on. Yeah, he gets paid $35 million. He can't just sit at home on the couch when the team is meeting for practice. He has to at least show up. And if it's his back, whatever, I don't have time for that. There's 10 games left in this season. The team is what it is right now. And as Nets fans, we just have to literally hope for the best, which is, I don't know, beating the Nuggets in Denver, beating Minnesota in overtime. Without those games, we would be below uh, right now. We'd be in the plan right now. They are holding serve. They are fighting for that sixth seed. And that's where we got to hope that they are. Maybe they drop to seven, whatever. But like, I'm cool with it. It sucks to lose. Four-game losing streak in any sport. Being a fan of anything. It sucked to watch Team USA lose in the World Baseball Classic last night. But that's part of it. You dust yourself off and you fight the next one and try and get the next win. And that's all we can do as fans is hope that they're able to come together and figure it out. Last thing I'll say, you know, with Cam Thomas, I heard Jacques Vaughn last night say that Cam Thomas lost his minutes to Yuta Watanabe. Shout out to Yuta Watanabe, Japanese big fan of Shohei Otani. I know he had a great night last night after the game. Not so great getting dunked on uh, by Donovan Mitchell and uh, not being able to do much to help the Nets. But like Jacques Vaughn spoke to it. He said, he, he like everything we've been saying about Cam, he's young. Um, he's in his second year. He's 21. He's, he's inconsistent. Yeah, he's a bucket. But in those historic games where he uh, went off for 40 and three games, did we win all of those games? No, they're trying to figure out ways to win. It's not all about Cam Thomas. Even if you think that he's the next budding star on the team, there are veterans on this team. There's a coach of this team and they're figuring out what's best for this team as they're trying to be the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference and get into the playoffs with some kind of identity. The Ben Simmons thing is frustrating just because, you know, when you're looking at the actual mistakes that the organization has made, um, both James Harden trades are the ones that really come back to bite you. Uh, you know, the, the, the initial James Harden trade. And of course, that was all in for a championship, so you get it. But that's still coming home to roost. You know, like the idea of the Nets tanking is not a conceivable thing because of the first James Harden trade. Then the second James Harden trade brings back Ben Simmons, who's eating up whatever percentage of the, the, the cap. And I, I think what, what sometimes frustrates people with Ben Simmons beyond simply him being Ben Simmons and, and what's going on is that the theoretical version of Ben Simmons is perfect for this roster. 
right? Like this is a team that needs size. Uh, it's a team that, that needs defense at the point of attack uh, and defense in, in, inside. It's a team that needs distribution. Somebody can put their, their head down with a head of steam and, and set others up. Those are all things a past version of Ben Simmons used to do. But that person just doesn't seem to exist anymore. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if Ben Simmons has already played his last game for, for the Brooklyn Nets. Um, but, you know, so it, at, at this point, the only thing you can hope for in the positive thing with Ben Simmons is to be surprised. There, there should be no expectations. There should be nothing beyond that. But when, when you have one guy who is eating up that much of the cap and you look at the James Harden trades in aggregate and Jared Allen and Karis LeVert are both on the Cavs and those draft picks are, are still owed to the Rockets or the swaps. And the only person who is involved with the, the Nets in, in that trade is Seth Curry, who's not really part of the future either and, and just not very good in general. Those are the ones that, that feel like real L's, not actually the Kyrie and, and KD trades. Yeah, and there are reasonably things to look at with Joe Sy and Sean Marks that are L's, that are bad moves, bad decisions. Robin just laid them out perfectly. But it's interesting when you contrast that with the the fake L's, the fake bad moves that everyone seems to talk about. The idea that no, there's so, some accounts on Twitter have insider knowledge about how stars are never going to want to come to the Nets because of what Joe Sy did, just you see you'll see how we're right in the future. Uh, it, it baffles me. It baffles me because not only, first off, does nobody know whether or not that's true. There's a million and one reason a player will or will not come to any particular team. But at the end of the day, you're focusing on the things that don't matter. There was no future with that old team that we had. And now we have a future. We may not have exactly the perfect future. We may still you know, have to give those picks up and we might still have those swaps so we can't do a full tank. But at the end of the day, we sold a shot, a lottery ticket for a championship for even a, a third round appearance for a team that has a future. So when whether you're looking at the Nets as they exist now, the Nets as they exist in the offseason or the Nets as they will exist next season, you're looking at a team that can have that forward-thinking optimism only because of the moves that we decided to make. So that's kind of my end cap on, on the whole Joe Sai, Sean Marks thing, because it keeps getting brought up and it, it's just beyond me why.